Ephesians chapter number 5 tonight. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 5. We're going to do something a little different tonight. And uh, I'm going to get you involved um, here in just a moment. But um, I just want to be sensitive to the Lord. Um, This evening I believe uh, we're going to start something. Amen. I believe uh, it's good to start things, don't you? It's good to um, start new things and and we can, you know, we can fall in comfort to things too. But man, the Revelation series has been such a good time, haven't it? Man, I've really learned a lot. And the Lord's helped us. Man, the Lord's helped us in a tremendous fashion. But I believe this could help us as well. And uh, it's something that's new, um, but it's not something that's new to me. Um, I have been studying on this since the end of May, uh, May the 28th, actually, is when I began studying on this. This exact topic, that's what we're preaching tonight, not the rest of them that will end up in the series. I've done some studying on them, but um, we're going to start a new series, and we're not going to close out the Revelation series by no means, but we are going to get back into it next week. Um, This is just where I believe the Lord wants us tonight, and so uh, I wanted to go to Revelation, um, but Lord willing, um, we just need some time to... I do need some time to study Revelation chapter number seventeen a bit more too. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of numbers in there that I don't quite understand, and that we're working on in our in our in our in our study. Um, there's ten kings in the book of Revelation. I don't know if you realize that ten kings in Revelation chapter number seventeen. As mentioned, um, the amazing thing that I found out through study is that those ten kings are been the only ten kings that's been around ever since the beginning. Um, and there's one that's not yet. There's seven kings, excuse me, not ten kings. Um, and uh, in those seven kings, there's only been seven around. Uh, John, in John's day, the king was Domitia. That's the one who sent him to, um, that he's the one that is. And then there's one that's not yet. And so the beast, they give us a timing on that. You know, obviously there's Julius Caesar and, and exert, and I'll just saw on and on and on. You can read them on through. Um, but there's some study in there that needs to be done a little more. That I would like to go in more depth. Uh, I would, I, and also, I was going to preach the whole um, chapter in one time, and I, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. I need to separate a little more, um, but I might. And so, uh, but we'll see um, what the Lord has for us. So, I'm gonna, I, I'd like to start a thought tonight, a series, if you will, entitled "What Does This Mean?" What does this mean? Um, wouldn't you agree with me that there's s- such things in Scripture that? Um, are familiar to the language of a Christian, but they're not familiar to the understanding of a Christian, um, such as redemption. Um, Everybody can tell me slightly what redemption may be um, and maybe what redemption means to you, but you really can't, you you might be able to, but you probably couldn't tell me exactly what the Bible means by redemption. Am I right or am I wrong? Or if you can, tell me. Um, But redemption goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And redemption goes all the way back to the buying of a lamb and, and, and so on and so on, switching with a donkey. And, and it goes back. It goes back a long ways. Um, but redemption, because we're redeemed by the blood of Christ. We know that we're redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And we understand that. So redemption is not something we fully understand. Propitiation. It's a word we know, but it's not something we completely understand. Right? Everybody with me so far? Adoption. The Bible tells us we're adopted into the family of God. How are we adopted in the family of God? What does that mean? 
So those types of things, I'd like to take some time to preach them. Sanctification. I mean, I've explained to you sanctification. Sanctification deals with the life of a Christian. It deals with that life from salvation to the death. And Christ sanctifies us. He makes us more like Himself. He's forming us into His image. We understand all those things, but we understand them from an outsider's view a lot of times. We, don't simply, we simply don't study our Bible a whole lot enough to find out exactly what these words mean. And so I believe it's important for us that um, we figure out what these things mean according to Scripture. Since they fully apply to the children of God and they do not apply to the lost person, and I believe everybody would say that they're saved in here tonight, amen or not. I believe everybody would say they're saved in here tonight. And so it applies to you and it applies to me, so we need to know what it means. And so I believe that's important in our lives to do those things because the Bible doesn't leave us in the dark about them at all. And so they actually have a great deal to do with us. And so I, I'd like to start looking at this thing. So, so, so I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to interact with me. I understand we're on, we're on, uh, we're on um, recording, um, but this is okay, and, and we'll interact. But I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in the light for just a second, okay, if I could. And uh, if you don't stand up and say something, then I am probably going to pick you. And so um, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? Understand we can read the Scripture, but what does it mean to you? You go ahead. Go ahead. Very good explanation, I'd say. I want everybody to answer in here. Just what does it mean to you? It's okay. Uh, it might not mean anything to you, but we're going to find out what the Bible means to it. Um, anybody else got an answer to it, what they think? There's really not any wrong answers. I mean, there is very wrong answers, but there's very they're very practical. I'm not putting you in a spotlight to say to put you in a place where you're going to be embarrassed or anything. Um, but anybody else, what would they think the, the being filled with the Holy Spirit of God would mean? Absolutely, absolutely. There you go. Like what you said right there. It's something the Lord gives us. It's not something that we give for ourselves either. Absolutely. The Spirit of God does give us this and uh, this feeling. Anybody else got any answers to it? That they think what what? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God?
speaking in tongues. Anything else? Anybody else? Want to put their commentary in on it? Else. Well, my, my view of it is since I've learned of it through the Spirit, is I'm going to keep it to the Bible. I'm not, I don't want to put it in my opinion, nor I want to add any words to what the Bible says about uh, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That seems to me that be the decision speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give me thanks always for all things unto God. And the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that's the decision. Spirit there in Galatians sit in 5 22 starts out with saying, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. I would see this as being something that the Spirit's giving you when you go out to come to fruit instead of being an idolatry and being now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. Anybody else? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 5, and verse number 17, Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It tells us very clearly there 
that this is the will of the Lord. Because it goes on and tells us, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. I ask you, dear God, to just please help me tonight, Lord, as I um, do preach on this, Lord. Let it be your will and your way doing it, Lord. I pray, God, that we not stray from your word. And I pray, God, just as your word tells us that you give us a measure of faith, Lord, you'll give us exactly what we stand in need of here this afternoon. Lord, I pray, God, that your will would be done. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And so here's a, here's a few quotes. Here's a quote I wrote down. I'm not just saying, oh, this is a Nick Stamper quote. That's not what I'm saying. But here's a quote I wrote down in concerning the, the, the being filled with the Spirit of God. And so when it comes to being filled with the Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit is wanting what God wants, doing what God says, God says and going where God says. It's doing all things... According to Scripture, if we're going to lead by God, if we're going to be led by God, in context, we're going to get this right here in the Scripture, and it's going to tell us what we are supposed to do. Paul gives illustrations throughout the Scripture, and we understand that. But James MacDonald said, if you don't want what God wants for your life, you're not filled with the Spirit of God. If you don't want what God wants for your life, you're not filled with His Spirit. Now you answer this question tonight to yourself. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Because if, you'd be filled, if you were filled with the Spirit of God, I'm not saying you're not, but if you were filled with the Spirit of God, I believe a lot of things would change in our lives. But a lot of things would be different in our very lives. I'm preaching this from somebody who every single day, I'm not going to say I'm filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, but I don't have good days and bad days. I, I do not have good days and bad days. I have all days that God has, God has put in front of me. I believe that the Lord has ordained days, but I don't believe He's ordained sin or any of that. But I do believe that God has, has helped us in every way and every day, and I believe He does if we'll just trust in Him, right? And so, you, for instance, we have those people who used to hate the things of God who now love the things of God, right? We have those people And when you get saved and you get filled with the Spirit of God, your desires and your goals and your priorities are going to change. They're going to completely change in your life. You know why? Because if you get filled with the Spirit of God, there's somebody else leading your way. Um, And and hear me well, uh, being being filled with the Spirit is not something we can do for. It's something that, that, it's not something we do for God. It's not something we do for God. But it's something we do for ourselves in order to better our relationship with God. The Spirit of God is going to be helping us along the way. I can't, I'll never crucify myself to a cross, right? You'll never crucify yourself to the cross. You'll never be able to live a Spirit-filled life and you'll never, ever, 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 everybody get that ever? Ever be able to do it with, by yourself. You'll never be able to do it with a friend. You'll never be able to do it with a wife. You'll never be able to do it with a husband. 
You'll never be able to do it with a son, with a co-worker, or with any, your pastor or anybody else if you don't have the Spirit of God in you. Amen? You'll never, ever be able to do it alone. I say that boldly from the pulpit. You'll never, ever, ever be able to do it alone because I'll never be able to hang myself on a cross. Paul said, I'm crucified. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? But Christ liveth in me. So the Bible says. That's what the Bible says, right? The Bible also says, uh, I, I die daily. It's, it takes all of me to die. But it takes all of him to help me live. Right? It's a working process. It takes everything of me, but it takes everything of him, thank God. I'll never. Jesus did not hang himself on the cross. The Romans did it, right? And, he's, and in his cross, he displayed the nine fruits of the Spirit. And in his cross, he displayed the joy. Uh, he displayed, uh, it says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Is that a rise? Is that a Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2? For the joy. What was the joy of the cross? The joy of the cross was me. He said, man, there's angels here that worship me in heaven, but I don't want the worship of angels. I want the worship of you. It was joy that set before him. Faith. The Bible tells us he had faith on the cross. He said, um, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the cross. Goodness. The Bible says, for the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Huh? I'm just telling you scripture that it's God's will for us to be spirit filled. We just read that in the Bible. It's God's will for us to be spirit filled in every day and every hour of our lives. Uh, this isn't coming from somebody who's always spirit filled. Amen. Peace. The Lord had peace on the cross, friend. He had peace on the cross. The Lord, the Lord. Uh, um, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it was the peace of God. Um, and, and then in, in uh, long-suffering, and long-suffering. What about long-suffering? What did he say? What's the first words Christ said on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had temperance on the cross. Don't you think he had temperance on the cross? He said, don't, don't you know that I could have called 12,000 legions of angels down? Temperance is just holding back something that you can do and want to do. And he could have he could have done that. I mean, he could have done that all day, every day, but he didn't. Thank God that he didn't. And I'm just telling you something that Christ displayed it on the cross. Uh, and if everybody in here says they're spirit filled, then praise the Lord. I will close my Bible and go home. But I believe we got some work we need to do. I believe we got some work we need to do. I really do. And, and it's something. Just understand this. Understand this. You got all of the Spirit of God that you're ever going to get when you got saved. You say, Preach, you ain't making sense now. The Bible tells us in Galatians that there's one baptism. Speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, regeneration. Meaning that he, we, were, he was, we were baptized into him. He's put in our lives. And he is to fill and consume our lives completely. One baptism, friend. But there's a whole lot of feelings that we need to be done. In our lives, there's a whole lot of feelings. And just understand, you got all the... But more of him, more of him's not going to be added to you tomorrow. But on the other hand, an alcoholic can be an alcoholic without being drunk. Is that right? 
An alcoholic can be an alcoholic. An alcoholic's an alcoholic all the time because of what he does. An alcoholic's a drunk, uh, uh, an alcoholic, whether he has any alcohol in his system or not. Am I right? He's still an alcoholic because of what he does. So what is being filled with the Spirit of God? Notice a few things. I want you to notice number one. Being filled with the Spirit of God, it is a physical thing in your life. The Bible tells us very clearly, to, and be not drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the uh, Spirit. Now when we look at the Holy Spirit, we often look at him as an it. Is that right? We often look at him as an it. Realizing just who, realizing just who he is could change your whole life. He's not just an it for it. He's the third head of the body. He's the third head of the triune God is what he is. He is just as much God as Jesus was. I mean, he's just as much God. Uh, he is a he, friend. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, you cannot grieve somebody who don't have emotions. You cannot grieve somebody. Uh, um, I, you know, I cannot grieve uh, this songbook right here because it has no feelings. Uh, it has no emotions. Uh, but you can only grieve something that has that, which means he is a real being. And he's a he. And man, he is part of the Trinity. And it seems uh, that we shorthand him at times. Some people take him way too far. And some people just, just decrease him a lot. Hey man, I'm telling you is that some people take him way too far. He gives gifts and, and he does all of this stuff. There's five gifts that the Holy Spirit allows us to do. And that's in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11. Now, there's five gifts and the Bible tells us very clearly that there are some prophets, uh, some apostles, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. There's no more gifts. He does not, I mean, he gives us, now understand, he gives us the gift. Uh, um, some people have the gift to do this, but not nobody has the gift of tongues anymore. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. Can I say it again? It's a sign. You know what we have in front of our very eyes? We have the very words of God. We have the very words of God. We don't have to interpret anything. We don't have to do anything else because He's done it for us, friend. And I'm telling you, a sign ends when you reach a destination. The destination has been reached. The Bible's done. But I'm telling you is that there's many different things that He is. And Paul is writing here about a direct person. Amen. Thankful for the Spirit of God. Man, I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. There's good liberty tonight. There's not a whole lot of shouting going on. You probably feel like I'm preaching at you. And maybe I am. But I'm telling you the truth right now is that there is a direct person of the Holy Spirit. And if you're saved, He's inside of you. Amen. There's notice a few things. Now, now the Holy Spirit moved uh, throughout scriptures, and we believe that, right? The Bible tells us that He is. And so we see, number one, the moving of the Spirit. Now, throughout the Bible, we can see many instances of the moving of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, I'd like to look at, the, look at a few. We see in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, uh, we see His moving in creation, right? Uh, where the Bible says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He moved upon the face of the waters. Uh, and by the way, that same moving is what we experience today. 
It moved upon the face of the waters. We read uh, His moving in the flood where the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 8 and uh, verse 8, also He sent forth the dove from Him uh, um, to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground, but the dove found no rest uh, on the sole of her foot, and so she returned Him into the ark. There's a lot that could be said there, but it's a type of the Holy Spirit of God. And we do not have time to deal with it, but it's a clear picture. And then we see his moving in the wilderness. Uh, number Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 12, the Bible says, Thou, thou leadest them in one day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night uh, by a pillar of fire to give them light in a way wherein they should go. Uh, they're leading them. They're leading them. Uh, and things are different nowadays than they were then. But the Holy Spirit still moves. It was an in and out, but we understand that. But nonetheless, we see him moving. Uh, we see him moving at the temple. Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse one. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices. The glory of the Lord filled the house, and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. What do you think that was? It was the Spirit of God. And so, so we see that there. And then we see His moving also uh, um, on the baptism of Jesus, right? Remember that? Uh, we see His moving in the baptism of Jesus in the book of John in chapter number 1 uh, and verse number 32. Uh, the Bible tells us directly of that. The Bible says in John, bear record saying, I saw the Spirit uh, um, descend uh, from heaven like a dove and it abode up on Him uh, and I knew Him not, but He he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, uh, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. This is he. This is he. We see him there. The Bible says it was the Spirit descending like a dove. And say it was a dove, but it was like a dove. And so it came down, and then Acts chapter number um, 2, the Bible tells us how his spirit moved at Pentecost. Right? In Acts chapter number 2, we find there in verse 2, let me turn there real quickly and read a few verses to me. Everybody all right? The Bible says very clearly there, in verse number 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues, uh, like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled uh, with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance. What did Jesus say that he would do when he left? He said, I will send you a what? Comforter. I'll send you a comforter. That's him sending the comforter. He did just like he said. You know why he had to send the comforter? Because he had him inside of him. He had him inside of him. Amen. I'm just telling you something, friend, is that his moving at Pentecost, he had moved, he's moved ever since the beginning of time. And thank God he's still moving today, amen. I mean, thank God that ever since Jesus ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit uh, has been at work and will remain at work until Jesus comes again. Uh, I'm just telling you something. He has worked in many different areas. He convicts, uh, he converts, uh, he corrects. uh, I mean, he comforts, he compels. uh, He does all of those things. And no one can grow spiritually without the aid of the Holy Spirit. No one can be saved uh, without the aid of the Holy Spirit. Thank God when the Spirit of God moves. Amen. We see the moving of the Spirit. We see the mandate of the Spirit. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine. And so the Word tells us very clearly that we ought, what we ought to do. To be filled with the Spirit. 
Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. It's imperative. Uh, it's important. It's not, option, not optional, friend. But, but, it, but it's obligatory. Amen? It's something that's very obligated. You are obligated to do it as a child of God. You are obligated to be filled with the Spirit of God. God commands us to be filled. Uh, and if you are saved here this evening, uh, you realized you were a sinner, uh, responded to the Spirit and received the Savior. And the Bible tells us uh, at that point we are baptized by the Spirit. Uh, and this is explained here in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and you were at that point indwelt with the Spirit of God. Uh, and one preacher said it this way, uh, there's our only one baptism, but there are many feelings. Uh, and we we'll see more shortly but I'm telling you this is a command from God that we are to be filled with the Spirit we're to be filled with the Spirit and it is a physical thing that ought to happen in your life it's a physical thing secondly it's a persistent thing being filled with the Spirit is a persistent thing that happens in your life. Uh, the matter of being filled with the Spirit, as I said, uh, is a thing that must take place continually. It's a, continuously th- it's a continuous thing. Uh, and notice a few things about it. Notice the continuation of it. We see it in verse number 18. Be not drunk with wine. We're in excess. Be filled uh, with the Spirit. As we read that, we must consider the action of it. Uh, it gives us the idea of consistency. Be filled with the Spirit. We can go to the Greek. We're not going to. uh, But we were baptized in the family of God uh, the day that we were saved and we'll never have to be baptized again. Uh, However, we need to be filled with the Spirit day uh, by day and hour by hour and moment by moment uh, and second by second. Uh, Friend, if you fill your car up with gas, uh, when you answer this, when uh, and you go inside and you pay for that gas, uh, go back outside and head towards uh, the road, when does your car start using the gas you just filled up? Second you hit the crank. The second you turn the key is when it happened. Uh, and the very moment you turn that key is when that gas uh, begins to go down. Uh, and one preacher said, He is the gasoline to the Christian life. Uh, and this is why Sunday to Sunday uh, is not good enough. Uh, this is why Sunday to Wednesday uh, is not good enough. Even uh, And we must be continuously, uh, consistently, and constantly be filled uh, with the Spirit of God in order to live the Christian life. We ought to be. The continuation of it. Secondly, I want you to notice the control of it. Now the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine, and wherein is excess. So Paul gives us an illustration here in our text that points us to what this is meaning. He says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. And these things Paul mentions are controlling substances. Wine is a controlling substance. They will control your tongue, uh, your feet, uh, your eyes, your mind, uh, your mouth. uh, And just as this will control you, so it ought to be in the life of a Christian. I mean, he drives you to do things you wouldn't normally do. I mean, something, I'm telling you, like, like the preacher said last night, he said, he said, everyone, you ought to have something in your life. You ought to do this in your life. One day you ought to let go so much that it embarrasses the flesh. At least one time in your life you ought to let go so much that it embarrasses your flesh. I'm telling you, you ought to not do it one time in life. You ought to do it more. You hearing me? You ought to do it more than that. 
Amen. I'm telling you, and I'm going to prove to you in just a moment that it does. Uh, there, let me just tell you something, friend. And I'm getting this from another preacher that I heard preaching the other day. But I'm going to just tell you something. There's nowhere in the Bible where there's ever been an in my heart praise. I'm praising Jesus in my heart. Every time that the Lord is praised in the Bible, He is praised outwardly, vocally. Every single time in the Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 31 that a, the virtuous woman is to be praised. Is that, is that Bible? Well, when my wife cooks tomorrow night, I'm going to tell her when she says, she, might, she probably normally doesn't say, is that food good? But, it, but I normally try to say, man, that was good. Thank you for cooking. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to do that anymore, Mackenzie. I'm just going to praise you in my heart. I'm just going to praise you in my heart. Okay, that's all I'm going to do. just going to praise you in my heart. When, you're, when, when, when kids hit the home run and score the finishing touchdown of the game, and they come to you and they say, Mom, Dad, did you see that? Yeah, I'm praising you in my heart. It doesn't work. Everybody with me? You getting what I'm getting putting out? It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It doesn't work to just praise them in your heart. That's not what it is. You say, well, God looks upon the inward appearance and out, man looks upon the outward appearance. No, that was talking about David the king. Understand the scripture, right? That was talking about the anointing of a king is all that was talking about. It was not talking about anything else. It was talking about the anointing of the king. God likes to see you outwardly praise him. Outwardly praise him. That's what God likes. Uh, and I'm telling you, he says, uh, be not drunk with wine, we're in Texas. be filled with the Spirit of God. And if you were filled with the Spirit of God, you would outwardly praise him. I know that's a bold statement, but if you're drunk with wine, I promise you, you ain't going to have nothing holding back. I ain't going to ask who's been drunk in here, but I'm just telling you the God's honest truth. Uh, if you've ever been drunk with wine, uh, there is absolutely no uh, abstainer to it. There's no uh, holding back of it. Uh, when it has control of you, it does what it wants to do. And when the Holy Spirit of God has control of your life, He'll do what He wants to do. And he never just sits there. Read this. Houston Chronicle describes the effects of alcohol by stating, Alcohol is a product of amazing versatility. It will remove stains from designer clothes. It will also remove clothes off your back. And if by chance it is used in sufficient quantity, alcohol will remove furniture from your home, rugs from the floors, food from the table, linen from the um, uh, lining from the stomach, vision from the eyes, judgment from the mind. Alcohol will also remove good reputations, good jobs, good friends, happiness from children's hearts, sanity, freedom, spouses, relationship, man's ability to adjust and live with his fellow man, and even life itself. As a remover of things, alcohol has no equal. Alcohol has no equal. Isn't that the truth though? Uh, the Holy Spirit works opposite. He replaces, uh, He restores, uh, I mean He repairs. Uh, that's how He works. And I'm telling you at Pentecost the crowd thought, looked at Peter uh, and they said, you are drunk. Uh, you are drunk with wine. Uh, no, He was drunk spiritually uh, with the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and under His influence, things will be different in your life. Yeah, man, I'm going to show you the things that will be different in just a moment, but we need this in every day of our life, friend. Every Christian life ought to live being filled with the Spirit of God. 
ought to. Amen. It's a physical thing. It's a persistent thing. Lastly, I'll be done. It's a, it is a productive thing in your life. Being filled with the Spirit is a productive thing in your life. The Bible says very clearly, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, uh, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord, not in the shower, it says. Uh, uh, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So many of yourselves one to the other in the fear of God. According to the text, being filled with the Spirit produces things in every Christian's life. I mean, that, that, that life is something that's pro- productive. Uh, it's something that's good for God. D.L. Moody said it this way, you might as well try to see without ears, hear without, uh, I mean, see without eyes, hear without ears, walk without legs, breathe without lungs, uh, as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. We are equipped uh, and enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you want to become what God wants you to be uh, and who God wants you to be, uh, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible tells us of the fruits of the Spirit uh, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, as was read earlier by the brethren, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, uh, and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance uh, above, against which there is no law. Uh, and friend, I'm I'm telling you, when we are under the influence of the Spirit, uh, you will be more like Him. Amen. I know it's a hard message on Wednesday night. I know that it is. Uh, I don't expect to get many uh, amens, but I'm telling you, we need to be more filled with the Spirit of God. We do. Notice what the next verses tell us. That's what we read there. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see that right there? See how I just said just a minute ago there wasn't praise in your heart? I'm going to explain that in just a second. Hang tight. I'm still true about it. But I'm going to tell you something. There are songs of gladness in your life. I didn't say you had to be loud. I never said you had to be loud. But I do believe there ought to be a time when you get drunk with the Holy Spirit of God. That's the Bible. Okay, we're on the Bible, but it does say, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing make melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, once we're filled and under the control of the Holy Spirit, our heart and our life will be led by gladness. You think so? I don't think a Christian in this world has the reason to not be glad. Have you ever noticed someone who is always negative? Someone who's always down about everything? Someone who's always sad about everything. They're always unhappy. Uh, and let me just tell you something. A spirit-filled person is a happy person. Amen. Amen. We'll roll. We'll roll. Set the plow and go. I'm telling you something. A spirit-filled person is a happy person. It's a happy person every single day. It's a happy person. Uh, and I'm telling I said every single day. They're a happy person. Person, uh, they might not always sing loud, but they do always sing to the Lord. I'm just telling you something. Sometimes you just can't get songs off your mind. I was at work the other day, and I just had a song on my mind all day long. I hummed it all day long, did I not? Hummed it all day long. I can't remember the song now, but I hummed it all day long. Every time I wasn't talking, I know that wasn't much, but every time I wasn't talking, I was humming, 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 humming that song. What song was it? You don't remember either. I don't remember. I, I, I just don't remember it. 
We start singing a little bit towards each other. And he starts singing a little bit and this and that. I'm just telling you something here. Uh, is that those times, uh, those times when God, uh, um, you go to sleep at night uh, and you have a song on your heart uh, and then you wake up with the same song on your heart. Uh, dreams didn't interfere it. Uh, um, nothing like that interfered it. Uh, but God uh, has put it in your heart uh, to sing and make a melody in your hearts to Him. Uh, and you ought to be doing it if if you're spirit filled, you will be doing it if you're spirit filled. Praise the Lord for those good times of songs of gladness. You know, I have never woke up, and I say this very boldly and very truthful, very truthfully. I have never woke up in the morning and been mad. You say, preacher, that's just you then. That ain't a boasting statement. I'm telling you, I've never once woke up in the morning and been mad. Not one time. I can recall. He said, Preacher, that's wrong. I have. I'm sorry, but I haven't. You know why? Because I woke up. I woke up. Ain't nothing to be mad about. You might be mad because you woke up. I don't know. But I've never woke up in the morning. I've never woke up in the morning mad. And I'm telling you something. In your life, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, it will promote songs and produce songs of gladness. The Bible goes on and tells us in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will also produce a speech of gratefulness. I hope everybody in here wakes up every morning and tells the Lord thank you. I think that's the first thing I ever say to Him. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up. Say, preacher, it's 6.30. You ain't got nothing to be thankful about. Lies. It wasn't 6.30 this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. It was later, but I'm telling you this. Is that what I'm telling you this morning, this afternoon, is that we ought to be grateful uh, to the God above. Uh, friend, because you will be a grateful... Sp- if you are a spirit-filled Christian, you will be grateful. Just think of what He has done for us. Can anybody attest to say that's, that's good enough to be grateful for? I can be thankful for that. I can be grateful for that. uh, That He sent His only begotten Son uh, to die and cover my sins. Uh, Friend, I have all the right every day, uh, 24-7, to be grateful for that. Uh, If I don't have anything to be grateful for, uh, if I don't have tires on my car, uh, and I don't have gas in my tank or money in my pockets, uh, I can still be grateful uh, that tomorrow morning when I wake up, uh, I do not have to go to hell. I can be grateful for that. I can be grateful for that, friend. And I'm telling you something. Uh, the child of God ought to be the, ought to be the most joyful uh, and grateful and faithful people in this very world. We ought to be. Thank God for His goodness. Amen. The last thing it shows us. So there, there's, there's songs of gladness. We agree through Scripture. There's a speech of gratefulness. And the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ... Good way to pray. And then there's also, it tells us there's submission and grace. Now the Bible says submitting yourselves. What does it say? One to another. In the fear of the Lord. In the fear of God. A person who's under the influence of the Holy Spirit won't mind submitting to Him. 
person who's under the influence of the Holy Spirit won't mind submitting to God. They won't care to submit to Him. You know why? Because they trust Him. Gracefully submitting to His leadership. And this ought to remind us that as Christians, we are to submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single day we ought to submit our lives to Him. And thus, once we humbly humbly, uh, submit to Him, we will gladly, gladly, gladly submit one to another. If you're submitted to Him, you'll submit one to another. Amen. We won't look for an opportunity to get our way, but for an opportunity to let God have His way. Amen, friend. Serve Him. Serve others. That's what God's called us to do. I'm still learning it, aren't you? Thankful to be a part of the body of Christ together, though. Amen. Then comes an amazing truth at the end of this where it says, In the fear of God. Now, now we submit to one to another in... uh, the fear of God. Now, the fear of God is, is a reverential awe. It's what it is. Uh, and He, uh, who He is, and what He does, uh, and what He has done. Uh, Philippians 2 and verse 6, the Bible says, uh, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, uh, but made Himself of no reputation, uh, and took upon the form of a servant, uh, and was made in the likeness of men, and been found fashioned. Uh, as a man, He humbled Himself, uh, and became obedient unto death, even the death uh, of the cross. Christ was a servant for coming to help us. He was a servant to me and you. And just like the the profitable servant as Pastor Philip preached, one day he's going to serve us literally and he will put on the robe and he'll come and serve us and do something for us, friend. Oh, that's not deserving. I'm not deserving of that. But Lord, help me to serve him in the fear of God. In the fear of God, Jesus submitted Himself uh, to the will of His Father uh, to die for me and you. Uh, And when we're controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, uh, we stand in such fear uh, and such awe uh, at how Jesus submitted Himself uh, for us uh, that we willingly submit ourselves to Him and ourselves. Amen, friend. They're submitting uh, submission in grace. And I tell you something, friend. uh, It is a physical, it is a persistent, uh, but it is a productive life to be filled with the Spirit of God. It is a productive life uh, to be filled with the Spirit of God. You will sing songs, uh, spiritual songs and psalms and spiritual songs uh, and melody, making melodies in your heart to the Lord. You will do that if you're Spirit-filled. Uh, you will uh, give thanks to Him always. Uh, the Bible says it's the will of God to give thanks. You know that. Uh, in everything give thanks. Uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's God's will for you to be giving thanks to Him. As the preacher said up there, bless his name. We ought to be doing that consecutively and consistently in our lives. Amen, friend. You ain't not, they ain't not a soul in this building this afternoon that has anything that, they get, that God has given them the right to complain about. Including myself. Ain't got nothing to complain about. You say, now preacher, my house is cold. My house is too warm. I ain't got no gas. I don't have no money. I don't have any of that. Just do what God said he would do. Just do what you said you're supposed to do. And God said he'd do what he said he'd do. In every occasion, every complaint we've ever had, he has 
done and heard it. It's the truth. Just think about it. But James Knox preached a message the other day, and I can't even remember what it is. And Lord, help me, I wish I could. But I, I believe it's in Isaiah in chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up like a tender plant uh, as a root of the dry ground. Let's see, he's despised rejected men, a man of sorrows, queen of grief. Let's see if I can find this. Nonetheless, I'll just skip it and tell you this. He, he did make this statement. He said, the sin that Jesus died for, he died for all sin, we believe in that. But is the complaints because he knew that everybody would be doing it. You remember that? What was it? He 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 said he said that everybody was complaining, and that's the sin that everybody's gonna do. Everybody has complained. Help me. You you go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Think about it. Everybody's gonna complain. Everybody's going to do that. You just think about it. Think about all the things that some people have done that God's died for, but you haven't done. Like murder. Huh? Yep. In the book of Numbers, chapter 21, the fire serpents were coming in, and all those people were being killed by fiery serpents and the one thing that saved them was the serpent right but the only sin that they were committing in the text was complaining there you go that's the only sin that's the only sin that caused God to, to send fiery serpents in that text directly. We understand they sinned a lot more than just complaining. But we understand that their most sin, I guarantee that their highest sin throughout the wilderness hours were complaining. What are you going to do with this light bread? Uh, this bread was sufficient it's not long ago, friend. Why in the world are you complaining now? Y'all listen to the message that Scott Dawson Jr. preaches about honey. The greatest message I've ever heard in my life. He said that from the fact is, is that at the beginning, they said this bread is the best bread. It's like a honey. It's like a honeycomb. It's the best bread. I get wafers with honeycomb. This is the best thing that we've ever had. But then some short time later, they said this light bread. You know what gets us where we need to be? If we just stop complaining. Just stop complaining. That puts us out of the Spirit, I'm sure. I'm sure it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. I know that it does. I know that it grieves the Holy Spirit of God and quenches the Spirit of God. I know that it does in our lives when we complain consistently. From the pulpit to the pew. It's hard to be content in this life because nobody else is content. But contentment is close to God than the Bible says it is. And I'm just telling you very clearly, friend, is this life of being... Man, I've preached too long. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't have much notes. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, this life, friend, this life as a child of God uh, is to be filled uh, with the Spirit of God. And it is something that is a physical thing in your life, uh, a persistent thing in your life, uh, and a productive thing in your life. It will produce things. 
it will produce those three things that the next verses is telling us about. It will produce a submitted wife. Amen or not? Hold on, I'm getting there. It'll produce a loving husband that loves his, loves his wife like Christ died for the church. Amen. We can go all through it. Because it all starts with the will of God being that person that submits and that person that loves and that person that is consumed and controlled by the very Spirit of God. That's what it starts with. If we'll do all that, if we'll be filled with the Spirit of God, uh, all the rest of it will come. I'm just telling you tonight, it's something that's persistent and it's something that's productive. It will produce all those things after, after Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. But it will produce the nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter number 5. Because what are they? The fruits of the what? Spirit, exactly. They're the fruits of the Spirit. They're something that He produced and He teaches us on a day-by-day basis and it's something we ought to learn from Him. Amen. Something we ought to learn from Him. I'm going to give an altar call tonight. I don't believe we need any music. But I'm going to give an altar call tonight because I know I need to hit this altar because this message convicted my heart. But I'm telling you something, especially when it comes to the thing of complaining, but it is the Spirit of God. But I'm telling you something, friend. We need to be right with God. If we're going to see a move of God around Mountain Valley Baptist Church, we've seen it. There's a great spirit in here tonight, and I thank God in heaven for it. But I'm telling you something. If we are going to see a move of God in this day in Mountain Valley Baptist Church uh, and any other church around, we are going to have to be filled with the Spirit of God. If you're going to make a move in this community, you're going to have to be filled with the Spirit of God. Whatever it is, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Dear God in heaven, Thank you, God, for your goodness, grace, and mercy. Help each individual here, Lord. Help the word of God, or we know it won't return void. And I pray, God, in every way you would have the preeminence. Lord, thank you for the message in Jesus' name.